Welcome to Beth and Jordan Rewatch. I'm Jordan, and I'm a nerd. And I'm Beth, and I'm also a nerd. For our show, we will rewatch TV shows and movies that Beth and I have enjoyed and try to look at them with a fresh perspective. For this season, we will be rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender for the third time for me and for the three millionth time for Jordan. So let's start with season two, episodes 11 and 12. All right, and to start this episode, um, as we usually do, we are going to go ahead and recap the episodes. Um, and so we begin with season two, episode 11, The Desert. Uh, and so just as a refresher, how we do this is we try to recap the episodes within a minute. Um, Beth has opted to do episode 11, The Desert, first, and I will be watching the clock. So, Beth, are you ready? I am ready. All right, Beth, go ahead and get started in three, two, one. All right, so this picks up exactly where the last episode left off. The library is sunk, Appa is gone, everybody is sort of lost and not knowing what to do. Um, everybody's angry, upset, Katara's trying to keep the game together as they try to walk their way across the desert. Um, Toph can't see anything, Aang is angry and flies off trying to look for things, and Sokka drinks some cactus juice and goes nuts. Um, they eventually <laughs> make their way to a place where they find a buried ship, and after Toph kicks it, uh, they... They're going across the desert. They run into the sandbenders who they figure out did steal Appa and goes into the Avatar state, but eventually gets kind of calmed down by Katara. Um, meanwhile, in the B-plot, Zuko and Iroh end up in the knockoff Moss Eisley where they run into somebody <laughs> who helps them get away from the people who have been hunting Toph but want to turn them in for bounties instead uh, by using a white lotus tile play gambit thing. Um, Trying to think if I'm missing anything, but I'm going to say that's it. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, with like two seconds to spare. Okay. I'm like, there's something I missed. and I can't think of what I, 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 I mean, they eventually, you know, are starting to go to bossing say and stuff like oh, that. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, yeah. the resolution of the episode. Right. <laughs> All right. Not too bad. And then I have episode 12, The Serpent's Pass, and I am ready whenever you are, Beth. All right. Let's do it. This in three, two, one, go. All right, Team Avatar tries to start making their way toward Bossing Say without Appa. Um, they approach the Serpent's Pass, um, but at first they're like, no, nah, we're not going to go there, um, and instead go to where refugees are coming in, uh, where they meet up with Suki and get rejected on going to the Serpent's Pass and also meet a pregnant couple who we've seen before. Um, they then start making their way to the Serpent's Pass, where Sokka has benevolent sexism issues, um, <laughs> Meanwhile, um, as they're going as they're going through there, they have hopelessness, but then also some hope at the end when they finally f- battle the serpent and succeed. Um, the pregnant woman has a baby, names her Hope because it's also hopeful, and temporarily gets over his grief. In the B plot, Iroh and Zuko are um, actually refugees making it uh, to the bossing say, but Jet appears. They steal from the captain who's uh, eating way too way too well, and they. Uh, spread out the food. Jet says you should join them, and the plot temporarily resolves. Nice. Four seconds to spare. I did forget about the drill. Um, oh, right. <laughs> unimportant. Unimportant. That's next episode. You, you know, it's it's only the cliffhanger <laughs> to make you watch next time. But I was just so focused on like getting it done, like I, I kind of discarded quality for uh-huh. just making sure I made time. You discarded quality. I completely blanked his whole cut. <laughs> <laughs> We are all about professionalism here on Beth and Jordan Rewatch. (laughs) 
now it's time for the part of the show where we actually go into the analysis of each episode. Um, so again, we'll start with the desert. Beth, I would start this off again. Like, you know, there's a series of episodes when we first began this podcast that you and I both said from the get go, like, these are the episodes we most are looking forward to talking about. Um, that because like, there's just so much that goes on or this character is highlighted. Um, and I remember that this was among them. This was one where in particular we were focused so much on Katara Mm -hmm. uh, and we were just like waiting for this episode to really talk about where she comes into her own. Um, and so it's kind of exciting to finally get to this point to talk about her. It is. Um, yeah. Uh, do you, I guess what, as I usually ask, what stuck out to you? Just, I guess the whole setup of this episode, like this whole season we've said so far, it's just a bummer of a season. Things don't seem to go right. Everything seems to go wrong. You never have an episode that really ends on a happy note, but out of all of the episodes we've seen so far, this is our heroes at their lowest point. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I just want to interrupt really quickly and say I'm glad you said that because I also put that down that this is our heroes that are at their lowest point. Sorry. Mm-hmm. No, it's all good. It's all yeah. Because I mean, we see Aang, who's usually like peaceful and like bringing like the looking on the good. Like he's an optimist. He's peaceful. He's trying to bring the game together and do what needs to be done. He's angry. He's upset. He's hurt. He's going off on his own and doing things recklessly, which is a side to him we've never seen. Toph, who has been established as a complete badass bender, is blind and basically can't do anything. Sokka, who's our our brains of the group, right? He's the strategist. He's the planner. He is out of his mind on cactus juice and can't do anything. And Katara is the only person left trying to keep their group together. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Man, and you know, I, yeah, like I said, I'm so glad you brought up the whole, like, this is their ultimate low point. And I would say throughout the whole series, this is, this is the lowest it will ever get. Um... I I'd think. agree I with mean, that, yeah. Because, I mean, there'll be defeats and there'll be frustrations because this is a well-written story with a lot of that stuff. But I, I don't think that you get to a lower point than this. You know, I watched... Um, I don't know if you've ever watched the Honest trailer for this on YouTube. Um, I don't think for, I have. It's, it came out, like, within the last month or... Like, fairly recently, within the oh, past okay. month-ish. Um, but one of the jokes they have... Because you've watched the Honest trailers, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, like, you know, they make jokes of all the characters... And like one of the comments they make is like how like how the gang would literally be dead without Appa, um, which, you know, I laughed because it's like, yeah, that's kind of true. And here and here it is like here, this episode, it's just so clear how how helpless they are without Appa. Um, and so they are they are at their complete lowest point. They're in the middle of the desert, which if you've ever seen a map of the Earth Kingdom, like this is a big freaking desert. Um, this is no small matter to get yourself out of. Uh, like when the random Moss Eisley knockoff people, as you say, um, <laughs> say that say that it's too bad that they probably died out in the desert. Like that's not unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Like this desert is like the odds are like if the odds were stacked against Ang just like defeating the Fire Lord, I almost would say his odds are worse are getting out of this desert. And that's the thing, right? Like every time our heroes have faced challenges in the past. They've been just that challenges. This is less of a challenge and more just a situation of absolute hopelessness. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's just so interesting to see what happens when, when we, when people reach their low points and 
you know, what a break in character for Aang. Like, it's understandable. It's not like he's acting out of character, but in an understandable way. Like, but Aang, gosh, Aang is an entirely different person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I, I was going to go through each of them really quickly, but but no, I kind of want to focus in on Aang for a bit. Um, like, you know, for somebody, like you said, who's so peace-loving and happy, like, dude straight up murders a living being. Like, mm-hmm. he, he kills that buzzard wasp thingy. Yeah. Like, like he is he is terrifying. He is reckless. He he does not grieve well. Yeah. And I mean, he has, I mean, it's understandable. He's lost his oldest friend, his only connection to his past life. But it's, it, it kind of brings up that fear and awe that we don't, we haven't seen really out of the avatar. Like sure. He's gone into the avatar state. He's taken out like, um, taken out the bad guys at the North pole and things, but this is the first time that we've seen him legitimately have that amount of anger. And it, it almost kind of made me wonder like, what if the avatar was evil? Yeah. Like, no, if there was ever a bad guy avatar. Like that would be horrible. <laughs> right. Because like before, like before this episode, you never consider that, that the bat, that the avatar could like go bad, but like Aang acts in very, like he acts in very not okay ways. And it's like, wait, the avatar is only human. The Avatar could like act poorly, like not be a good person, um, which is a little odd to think about. Um, and obviously, like in the course of these, and this is perhaps where the kid friendliness does kick in a little bit. Like mm-hmm. the guard, the guardrails on the Avatar is always going to be a good person, even if they make bad mistakes, is going are going to kick in here. Mm-hmm. We don't um, get to see him go full Anakin Skywalker, right? <laughs> exactly. He doesn't get corrupted by the dark side. Um, yeah, none of that stuff. Um, but so you have you have Aang who just becomes, yeah, who just goes into a full meltdown. Like you said, Toph is, which is odd to say, like she's basically neutered um, mm-hmm. because she's lost any ability to be productive. Which I can't even imagine how terrifying that must be for her, right? Like she she knew what it was like to be helpless before she learned to see with her feet, and now she's back there. That's true. I didn't even think about that. What the, what a relapse that might be. Yeah. Because she's like is well and truly blind now. Like all she sees is just fog. It's basically mm-hmm. like there's a mist all around her. And on top of that, Aang is blaming her for everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is, again, believable, but but frustrating mm-hmm. um, to see out of Aang. Uh, yeah. And then and then and then Sokka. <laughs> Oh, like god damn it Sokka. <laughs> god, Sokka. I I love you so much Sokka. And part of why I love you so much is sometimes because in your rationality you act a little stupid. Um drink cactus juice. It's the quenchiest. Uh, you know you know Beth, I'm sorry to go slightly off topic here, but as we all know, I live I live still in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um and at the time that we're recording this, what has been the most popular meme in all of Nebraska this week? Um, but saucy nugs. Um, yes. And so, um, and, and which, as a proud as a Nebraskan, I am very proud that this has made the rounds. Like, usually Nebraska things that make the news are like Florida crap. Um, yep. You know, it's so, a big deal when a middle class fancy posts something about it. Yes. Like, 
like the fact that the fact that like we're being like I'm okay with us being known for this. I can't. <laughs> it's it's not it's nothing that's that seems trashy. Uh but it, beside it all, it's 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 really kind of off topic, but like at the same time as cactus juice is saucy nugs, but anyway. Uh <laughs> But yeah, so like yeah, but like you said in the recap, like like Sokka or at the beginning of this, like Sokka is just he's neutralized as well. Like he cannot use his brains because his brains are doped up on cactus juice. Um and that leaves Katara. Uh and man, does she just shine? Mm-hmm. Because in the previous episodes, like, or in the in the last few seasons, we've never seen her really have to take that leadership role. I mean, she tried once in the prison ship episode where she tried to rally the troops, but she's kind of been the sidekick character, right? Like, Sokka comes right. up with the ideas. Aang is the powerful one. She gets people into trouble and is mothering, I guess. But this one, like you said, she really gets to shine. Yeah. I just, I think the scene that defines the entire episode is um i think ang has just rejoined the group he is his mopey annoying self like like back facing katara Mm -hmm. katara looks over sees him looks over and sees toff and i can't remember what quite she's doing but it's obvious that once again like she doesn't she can't quite see everything i don't know if she like shifts off balance or something she sees um sokka and momo just like tripping out on what on whatever it is that cactus juice is showing them mm-hmm. and it's this moment of like you can almost hear the temptation in her voice of like it's time to give up and she's just like no i will not give up mm-hmm. and like to me what a character defining moment for her like katara the op the eternal optimist to it to a hilarious fault mm-hmm. but nevertheless the optimist will not ever like that. Like if there was ever a moment that would be it. She will not ever give up. Mm-hmm. And that to me is like, that was to me the most powerful scene in the whole episode. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, and then to resolve the, you know, resolving the A plot at the end is, you know, the fact that we meet up with the Sandbenders. We go to uh, this weird hive that apparently has a magnetic pulse. The little bit of science I know goes like, mm, okay. Um, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if extremely unlikely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Aang goes all angry Avatar state. And I know that she's being sympathetic when, like, she reaches up her hand to him. But I don't know, like, am I far? Am I off in saying, like, did you at all get the impression that I I kind of thought that she had this look of, like, I'm done with this? I I mean, I didn't really get that as much as her just, like, intense sadness. Mm. Like, whereas everybody else was like, oh, Avatar State, freaking out. She was just like, oh, no. Like, he's hurting. He's sad. Mm. Like, she, like, I, I guess I just saw it more as, like, maybe maybe some disappointment, but mostly just sadness. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I could see that. And I, I just saw like I just saw not like she was done with this as a, she's just done with everything sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. not that she'd given up on stuff, but I I thought she was I was more thinking of it. Yeah, like she's done with Aang's crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but I could totally see where you're 
where you're coming from as well on that. And I can totally see where you're coming from on that because I definitely would be done with it at that point. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah. And so, man, what a great episode for Katara. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is some stereotypical feminine traits, but you know what? It was shown like. And having feminine traits doesn't make somebody a weak character, right? Exactly. Like, she's still That's- a strong character. Exactly. That was you. You said what I was searching for words to say. Um, yeah, but sh- showing that it was a strength, mm-hmm. I th- I think is so is so good in this episode, um, and just showing how they would not survive without her. Mm-hmm. Because they they'd be dead in that desert without her. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. Anything else on the A plot before we slip over to the B plot? I don't think so. I think we covered it pretty well. All right. So, slipping on over then to to our B plot as we once again return to Mock Moss Isley. Um, <laughs> uh, I first of all, I just made the note that Iroh still has it as far as his moves and doing firebending and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a, I mean, just just taking names over there, showing why he's the dragon of the west. That's right. Um. And I know they did it for humor, but Gal, I, I love the line of like Zuko saying, "Like, do you do you know of any friends that don't want to kill us? People who don't want to kill us? Like, it's just like <laughs> it's like, oh, what a novel idea! Yeah. Oh, oh, Iroh. Oh. And just a small little like funny bit. I love the point where he's like, also they're a talented singing group, and they're like, we're not here to give a concert. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> not denying it or being like, no man. Like just like we're not here to sing, <laughs> even though we can. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely a very the B plot. Interestingly enough, with Zuko, because Zuko is usually not this way, but the B plot is definitely serving as comic relief for an otherwise very heavy A plot. Mm-hmm. Um. The the people sent out to capture Toph are inept at best. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all being said, the White Lotus does appear. And so a bit of lore does. Yep. <laughs> does unravel itself. Uh, only only a brief glance. Uh, we know it's there. We know Iroh is a grandmaster. Uh, but, but we kind of get a brief glance, as as Iroh would say, of the cryptic arts. Mm hmm. Um, but yeah, and then and then I wrote down one last little note. Bossing say is where all paths now lead, and so we, which is weird because it almost is like we're re- reaching a season, um, or yeah, a season finale, which we're not, we're really not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's but kind you, of like a midway point, right? Like it's oh, it's definitely in season finale. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what I was yeah, so what I was just feeling like is like we're pu- we're putting people on a crash course to run into each other. Which is typically not what happens until the season finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but setting up for I think what's yours, your and my favorite arcs <laughs> of or some. Far, of, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, particularly for Zuko. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, you know me. Right. No. I, yes. And 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 as much as I make fun of you about it, you and I. Yeah. Yes, yeah. We both agree. Um, but yeah. And that's all I really felt about the desert. Now that it's, it's since we talked about it for 15 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You know, just 15 minutes, just 15 minutes worth of content. Um, what about, uh, sorry, do you have anything else with that? Nope. I think we got it covered. Excellent. Let's move on then to the serpent's pass. And I guess, yeah, again, what, what sticks out to you in this episode? 
what was the phrase that you used earlier? It was something feminism. Oh, benevolent feminism. Benevolent, benevolent sexism. sexism. <laughs> yeah, but benevolent sexism. That's what you said. Yes. Yes, that's yes. what stuck out to me this episode. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, Sokka, my main man. <laughs> Sokka. I thought you'd got I thought you were better than this by now. <laughs> well, I mean, we've seen him we've seen him come a long way from where he started. Obviously. He still has more learning to do, also obviously, but we can also see like there's a reason behind his treatment of Suki, and it's his fear of losing her. For sure. And and they do, and you know, they do touch on that well. Like, I mean, you and I I know I, I I like I'm certain like I put I saw this and I'm almost certain you saw it too just knowing what you and I pay attention to him kissing Suki while the moon is watching like is very pointedly like showing you know showing all the motivations and what's you know and and all of this like is Suki replacing Yue and the feelings he has about that so mm-hmm. yeah Oh, Sokka. But 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 again, again, where I where I give this show credit, I really appreciate it when Toph goes down and is drowning. Like, you know, Sokka's about ready to go in. They like I appreciate it that they did not make Suki just stand and watch. Mm-hmm. Like she is, by all means, a better warrior than Sokka. Like, and they gave her initiative and action. And there's, there's a different word that I can't think of right now, but yeah, like she agency. saved it. agency. Thank you. That's the one. Yes, exactly. They gave her agency and she is the one who does the saving because mm-hmm. that's what makes sense. Yeah. Because she is the most trained warrior out of the group. Of course, she's going to like act before thinking we have a girl. We've got two people on the team who could literally just pick Toph up in a ball of water and float her over to them. But Suki is like the like quick action. Like she sees something and she does it. Right. Granted, our two water ball people are a little preoccupied with the story. But yeah. (laughs) But yeah, exactly. Like it, it should not be Sokka who is the one who acts faster. Like, as very gifted as Sokka is, and he is an excellent, like he's an excellent warrior and, and tactician and all this stuff. Suki is the one who is the battle trained warrior. Like it makes way more sense for her to be the one. Exactly. Um, and I appreciate that about the episode. It's just like, yes, of course it makes sense that Suki would do that. Um, mm-hmm. And I even kind of like the little twist at the end where, where we find out like it wasn't like, it wasn't just that she was tagging along just to tag along. It was that Suki was protecting them mm-hmm. as they went across across the pass. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So anyway, I had to. I I am a big Sokka stan. Sokka is my main man, but I got I got I gotta I gotta call out his crap when yep when it comes up. He's still got a little growing up to do in this episode. <laughs> For so. sure. Yeah, and in the episodes to come. Yeah. Um, rolling it back a little bit, the first time you watched it, did you know that was Suki? No. Like, oh, God, no. Yeah. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> like, who is this random woman coming up and yelling at Sokka? <laughs> right. And I was trying to listen for her voice, and I was like, not putting it together. And I'm not going to lie. Like, even when she said, I'm Suki, I was like, mm, is the voice actor <laughs> different? Like, and, and and I don't think it is. I don't think it is, but I was just like I was not convinced. <laughs> when your makeup look is just too iconic, <laughs> right? Exactly. No, def- yeah, good. I mean, a good thing to point out there. Like, I nope, definitely had not 
made when I first watched that, I did not make that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and then continuing on to part two of my story of Aang does not grieve well. Uh, again, burying our emotions, like, uh, as a guy, I'm just kind of like, thanks. Way to continue that stereotype. <laughs> but, God. So first, like first of all, good. You realize that you behaved poorly in the episode before. How shall I deal with these emotions? Then I shall just bury them and not feel anything. Yeah. Ugh. Like we're just seeing him go through all of the different stages of grief. <laughs> right. Which I guess Which grand- denial. No, not denial. Well, I see. I kind of felt like both were denied. Well, I guess anger kind of came first. Like it kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't have but, the bargaining grief. I mean, he get he gets some sort of like absolution by the end of the episode, but right, he definitely hopped through the stages of grief in two in two episodes and is done. Like he's definitely fine after the two episodes, but yeah, yeah, and definitely not in order. But no, well, I mean that's medically normal, but right, yeah, yeah, but yeah, definitely definitely doesn't handle that well, and of course, uh. And Katara's, you know, Katara, blah, blah, blah. Katara is doing well. Um, you know, again, trying to be the good, caring person. Um, we get I'm to just see gonna... her kind of go back into leader role in this episode a little bit, too, which is cool. Yeah. Oh, especially at the end when it's just like, I've delivered babies before Sokka. Chill. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. What other thoughts did you have from the A-plot? Um just how powerful Toph's family actually is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, oh, flying boar, give me whatever I want. Uh-huh. And it's like, man, like, we like because we know she's rich, and we know that her family is, like, nobility, but then to see how much clout she actually have was has was kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Um, And to get, before we get into the B-plot, so, Beth, you and I play Civilization VI. Yes. A little, little trivia here. So, and this is like super trivia I got going on here. Oh, so I'm here for this. Okay. To prepare yourself. So, in the episode, um, there. So the scene where they're getting the passports, and it's actually right when um, when Toph pulls out her uh, passport or whatever. Um, there is a song that plays in the background. I didn't. I didn't wonder if did you did you catch it or did it sound familiar to you at all? I didn't. I didn't pay attention to the music. What was it? So it is the same theme that China has in Civilization VI. Um, it's called, and I'm gonna butcher this. It's called like Mo Li Hua or something like that. Huh. Um, and it is. It means like the something the jasmine. Oh, I should have written this down. It's like the jasmine something or other. Uh, it's a traditional Chinese folk song. Um, that also like just played at that specific moment. Like I just, when I listened to that, I was just like, why does this sound f- so familiar? Well, it's kind of Asian-y. Is it like China? And then I looked it up like for their Civ 6 theme and I listened to it. I was like, it is, it is China. <laughs> so. Well, that makes sense. I mean, like the earth kingdom is, I mean, all of the different sort of kingdoms are obviously based on different cultures. And it feels like, uh, the Earth Kingdom is very heavily influenced by Chinese culture in particular, so kind of makes sense that they would draw inspiration from that. Right, right, especially given the diversity of the Earth Kingdom, which matches the diversity of, well, the diversity of China before 
recently uh, before this recent forced yeah. not diversity we won't go into that um so that we don't get banned in china um so yeah uh but anyway before we do that then on to the b plot um oh beth jet's I back li- <laughs> <laughs> must he though i love to hate him so much <laughs> i know you do and i just lo- and i just and i just prefer to hate him uh-huh. But begrudgingly, I Jets must back. admit. <laughs> uh, I must admit, since the theme of the entire B plot seemed to be forgiveness, <laughs> it does make sense that even a sociopath like Jet mm-hmm. would return. Manipulative, lying jerk of a sociopath that I love to hate. <laughs> Uh, I'm happy somebody likes him. I, I, I like I, I like him in the same way that I like villains and I like really, really flawed, terrible characters. I just like that they're so pe- terrible. Yeah, I fall. And that's like how I like Azula. I just mm-hmm. don't like I just don't like Jet. He just needs to get the heck away. Like again, <laughs> too many people in real life where I've had friends or students I've taught who date these kind of people, and I'm just like people no (laughs) anyway but i want to so i I, the one thing i wanted to point out from the whole b plot is i think the act like the theme of forgiveness has been we've kind of danced around it i feel like like with zuko and his whole arc it's been like zuko could be good zuko could be good and now i felt like for the first time we have said it it's out there Forgiveness for Zuko is now a possibility. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was important. Like I know, I think I noticed it this time for the first time when I watched it through. Uh, I don't think I would have noticed that before. Um, other than I was rooting for Zuko to start becoming a good person. So like anything where they mentioned like forgiveness and second chances, I was like, yeah, do it. Go, go, go. <laughs> was there like yeah. one particular part in the episode that made you kind of think that or particularly Iroh says like I believe in second chances Mm. Um, he's very he's very straight about that and Jet like because it's it's when Zuko Iroh Jet the gang they're all having a conversation and Jet says they come to bossing say for a second chance and Iroh says I I think that's very noble I believe in second chances kind of like pointedly directs that towards Zuko Mm -hmm. Um, to me I was just like okay this is the first time it has ever been out loud, out loud stated that forgiveness is on the table for Zuko. Mm-hmm. And it feels so like it doesn't feel jarring at all. It's so natural no. going into it because we've seen Zuko kind of grow and learn. And now he's arriving at the city of his greatest enemies as a refugee. And he's mm-hmm. the plan is not to find the avatar or overtake the city from the inside. The plan is to just start a new life. Yeah, agreed completely. Um, and he's he's endeared himself more and more to us mm-hmm. with his with his truly rough backstory. Um, yeah, I agree with you completely. The writers have done a good job of guiding us to this instead of just like instead of pushing us into this whole idea. They've gently guided us to this idea that Zuko should even be considered to be forgiven or redeemed. So. Yeah. And of course, it can't all end well. 
never does. <laughs> so we, oh, end... like that we actually see the drill at the end of this episode. Yeah, exactly. Like the the music is all hopeful as Aang finally gets to the wall. We're finally at bossing say, and then bum 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 bum, the drill. Mm-hmm. Because nothing can there there is no happiness in season two. Only despair nope. and struggle. We have yet to run into a season two episode that ends on an uplifting note. <laughs> right. They can end neutrally, but none of them end happy. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, none of them will. And to conclude our episode today, it's time to go through our ratings. Uh, Beth and I, usually, as we do this ratings, we do these on a five-point scale with decimals allowed. Uh, if you try to establish some sort of actual scoring system for how we rate things, good luck. You will fail. Um, but we do try to maintain the consistency to the best that we can. Um, Beth, let's start with Season 2, Episode 11, The Desert. Would you rate this one? I'm going to give this one a five. It's okay. for all the reasons we mentioned, phenomenal character development. I apparently I am really into downer episodes. Seeing the gang at their lowest point was super interesting. We get some lore. Five five episode for me. Yeah, I, I gave it a four point eight. Like, I don't know if I even necessarily have a complaint or a grump with it. I know you and I have talked about before, like, like a quality episode can get itself to a four point five, but there's just like some special sauce or something that gets it to a five. Um, and it's purely subjective and there's almost nothing good to quantify it with. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it had some of that. And, and I don't know, maybe it's that like, maybe there's that moments where I felt it was a little slow. Um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't, I feel it's a 4.8 and I can't, I can't explain to you why I don't give it a five, but I would not feel comfortable giving it a five. But I, on the other hand, I totally understand why you gave it a five. So mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, anyway, that's where I feel. So, good episode all around. Exactly. Oh, it's an excellent episode. And besides, like we said earlier, uh, the ratings, we don't really have a good system. It's based on the tides, what we feel in our heart and the stars. So, (laughs) And how busy work was this past week. And you know, all that sort of stuff. Mood, whether I've eaten today. (laughs) Right, exactly. Whether, yeah, whether you got up at one in the afternoon or one in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, and then episode 12, The Certain Serpent's Pass. What did you give this one for a rating? I feel like I'm going to be kind of harsh on this one. I gave this okay. one like a 3.9. Wow, that is kind of harsh. Yeah, like, I appreciate it for what it is. I I like the I like the Sokka learns to drink respect women juice more part of I- it, but like, it's kind of not the most fun episode. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I people are going on a very long walk and talking to each other. The serpent fight is uninspired. And, like, Jet and Zuko running around is just sort of something that happens and not something I'm super invested in. So, 3.9. Yeah. I'll be a little kinder. I'll give it a 4.3. Okay. Um, yeah, again, I've tried to subjectively say, like, if it is relevant to the progression of the plot, it must at least get a four. Oh, that's uh, tr- yeah. But but that's again, that's my arbitrary standard. Um, so I don't know, like, like I, I well, why do I, why do I like it so much? Um, for something that I complain about because it has jet in it. Um, 
I like it because I do think, as much as it frustrates me with Aang's whole grieving thing, I do, I guess, like an honest conversation about what grieving is like, mm. um, rather than a character just having to get over it. Um, or, on the other hand, just being super sad the whole time, because that's not grieving either. Mm-hmm. Um, grieving comes in many forms over different steps. And so I think I like that. I, As much as I thought Sokka was being a benevolent sexist, the whole scene where kissing Suki while the moon is watching, like, I would be lying if I said that that didn't touch me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. There's there's just something to that. It's just like, oh, that pulls at my heart a bit. And Zuko be, beginning to be offered forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I guess I guess maybe, maybe the 4.3 comes from how many times my heart was just nibbled at a little bit or tugged a little bit. Fair enough. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Beth and Jordan Rewatch, where we rewatch our favorite movies and shows and discuss what we love about them. You can find all of our episodes on anchor.fm slash BJ Rewatch or on Spotify at Beth and Jordan Rewatch. 